It had been Johnny's job to wash the athletic clothing and shine the shoes of the visiting players. And the players tipped him 25 or 50 cents a game for the service. When Pesky was about to join the big club in Boston in 1942, after leading the American Association in hits in Louisville, the other three, all big leaguers by then, had joked about him. Yes, it was the same Johnny Pesky. You know, the little guy who shined our shoes and washed our jocks back in Portland. Needlenose, they eventually nicknamed him, because of his prominent nose. No one had liked using the name more than Ted, who seemed to think it made Pesky into the younger brother he had always wanted. Instead of the younger brother he actually did have, Danny Williams, who was constantly in trouble with the law and thus a reminder to Ted of the fragility of his own hard-won position in life. Pesky's nose was indeed rather long and sharp, especially in relation to his body, which was rather small. The nickname might not have lasted a lifetime had it not been for Ted, who used it so much that on occasion, when John called the others, he would identify himself simply by saying, This is Needle. They were all special men, smart, purposeful, hardworking, and they had seized on baseball as their one chance to get ahead in America. They had done exceptionally well in their chosen field. Williams and Dorr were in the Hall of Fame. Many of the players from that era were puzzled that DiMaggio and Pesky had not been eventually inducted by the old-timers committee, which took a belated second look at who had made the hall and who had not. That was particularly true in the case of Dominic DiMaggio, who had been an all-star seven times. Williams himself believed that it was a travesty that Dominic was not in the hall. None of the four, most assuredly, had gotten rich off the game, not in the era they played in, and not in the material sense for the richness they had taken from the game was more subtle and complicated. A couple of years ago, Pesky and DiMaggio were together at the funeral of Elizabeth Lib Dooley, a beloved Red Sox rooter who was considered the team's foremost fan, having attended every home game from 1944 to 1999, and John had casually asked Dominic how much he had made in his best years. Forty thousand, Dominic answered, and then he asked John the same question. 22.5, Pesky said. They had, after all, grown up in a much poorer America, when career expectations were considerably lower, when the people who went off to college were generally the people whose parents had gone off to college before them. Two of the four, DiMaggio and Pesky, were the children of immigrants. In DiMaggio's home, Italian was still spoken, and Pesky's real family name was Pavaskovich, as his Croatian parents were still known at least to themselves, if not to the larger world. Williams had grown up in what was, ostensibly, a traditional Scotch-Irish home. What name could be more American than Williams? But in fact, his mother, unbeknownst to most of Ted's friends, was half Mexican. That was the America that existed before the coming of the GI Bill and the post-war meritocracy, which made it possible, seemingly overnight, for all kinds of bright young Americans who would never before have had the opportunity to go to college. Dominic DiMaggio, it was true, had an offer of a college education. He had always done well academically, but he went to work instead. In the case of the other three, the one great chance to get ahead had come through baseball. Looking back through the lens of today's infinitely more affluent America, it seems hard to believe that their choices were so limited. Today, it might have been quite different for them, Ted Williams, with his passion for excellence, his outrageous, almost belligerent intelligence, and the sheer force of his unyielding personality, 
might have become a brilliant brain surgeon. Dom DiMaggio might have ended up as a CEO of a major corporation. Bobby Doerr might have gone to a small college. He was a quiet man, and a big university would have been an uncomfortable experience for him, and stayed on to become, almost to his surprise, the dean, popular with both students and faculty. And Pesky might have become the baseball coach at a large university, where his team always won, where in time he was regarded as a legend. They could all remember the exact moment when they first met each other. In the case of Dor and DiMaggio, it was in the summer of 1934, when Bobby had just signed on with the Hollywood Stars, one of the two Pacific Coast League teams playing out of Los Angeles. On Dor's team that summer was Vince DiMaggio, the oldest of the three DiMaggio brothers who played pro ball. Of them it was said that Joe was the best hitter, Dom had the best arm, and Vince, who wanted to be an opera singer, had the best voice.